So hey everybody, welcome to episode 47 of the More Than Just Go podcast. My name is Tim Mitra, I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by my co-host Aaron Bay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello there! And we have Mark Rubin down in San Jose, I believe. Hi there, I am in San Jose. Yeah, uh, can I just give a, a quick shout out to Mark Thistle, um, fellow who wrote me uh, last week after our show, and mm-hmm. he he said uh, he's checked out Magpie, it looks very interesting, thank you very much, but mm-hmm. uh, he noticed that my website uh, did not have a smart app banner, and uh, ah, it's right. a feature that uh, you know, Apple introduced in iOS 6 mm-hmm. uh, to accompany uh, websites that are visible on iOS Safari. And if you visit an app page, uh, you can, as the web developer, put in a little meta tag. And if uh, you do that, it'll show a little banner. I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, showing you a direct mm-hmm. link to the app store so you can get the app from the site in yeah. one tap. So uh, that was a simple matter of fixing it. And uh, I thank you, Mark, for pointing it out, reminding me. Uh, I've done it before on other apps. Uh, just yeah. just overlooked it this time. So, you know, when I was thinking, um, yeah, I'll just do the same for my Mac app, of course. And uh, no. <laughs> Really? Yeah, because they don't they don't do this for the Mac. It doesn't work on oh, the Mac. Right. Yeah. Why? Because Apple hates the Mac. Everyone knows that. <laughs> exactly. It's just yeah, crazy they... all the features that they have for the Mac. They or sorry that for iOS that they don't have for the Mac. Uh, you know, test flight comes bounding quickly to mind. Oh, you, you can't test flight. Uh, no, Mac you can't. Why? Why wouldn't you be able to? Can you hockey app them? Sure, you can. Well, yeah, hockey, hockey works on like all of the platforms. But could you test flight before test flight was bought by Apple? No, test flight never supported the Mac, as far as I remember. Uh, okay, correct okay. me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Mark, Mark might know. Mark, I, Mark got me on the hockey app. Yeah, so. I don't think test flight could. I, I actually didn't know Ma- uh, hockey app could actually could support the Mac. I didn't hmm. know that. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. By the way, Mark Thistle uh, works for Microsoft. We met him at um, NS North. Yeah, he did a he did a talk on writing code for the uh, what do you call it the Microsoft Band. Oh, so he's, he's he's one of the iOS developers at Microsoft. Interesting. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's a friend of the show. That's I think that's kind of how he became a friend of the show too as well. Oh. Yeah, I, I I have the you know the banner smart banners on device my device tracker site and on our True Life site we have them of course as well. So. So is he involved in the Microsoft Garage group or is he more on the uh, productivity <laughs> app side? Uh, I'm not sure what garage means. So oh, it's a it's a uh, a group within Microsoft that does sort okay. of um, projects that are you know off the main beaten path of Microsoft. They're okay. not they're not working right. on Word or, or Excel or that kind right. of stuff. Um, yeah. Like they have one called Toss Up uh, that just came out, which is kind of interesting, where you can mm-hmm. you can sort of use it to pull your friends about things. You know, you you create a question, you send out to your friends, right. they all respond. Right. You can use it for like, hey, where should we go for a beer tonight? You know, this place or this place, and they respond, and mm-hmm. and it figures out what the you know the winning response is, and then notifies everybody. That kind of stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean it's just a silly little app, but but it's but it's you know it's it's you know it's fairly well done, and it's it's just strange for Microsoft to put out something like that and you know but yeah. it's interesting that they're doing that kind of stuff. Well like I said Mark works on the iOS group on on the I know Microsoft band. So if you're an out there out there and you're a developer and you're interested in working on the um, Microsoft band Microsoft's the guy to get in touch with. I'll put a, his Twitter handle in the show notes so you guys can hook up with him. Well cool. um, 
And so the other follow-up items we had were uh, following up on the conversation we had about Brent Simmons' posts, and um, there were two other guys. Aaron, help me out here. Oh, I have I'll just go back from the notes here. Uh, yes. Tough Love by Curtis Herbert and right. Alan Pike writing Supply Side Blues. Right. So um, in, in that sort of vein, um, there was a couple of follow-up items. One of them was uh, from uh, Charles Perry of Medicite and also of one of the hosts of the uh, Release Notes podcast. He posted a piece about Apple's uh, delivery system and how people sort of look at the 30% we pay to Apple as, as uh, uh, you know, kind of a harsh thing to have to pay, a lot of money to have to pay, a lot of percentage, that kind of thing. And he looked at it from the point of view, well, what Apple's doing for us is they're our delivery mechanism. They're taking the money, they're, you know, delivering the product to the client, they're helping the client install it on their device, which is stuff that we don't have to get into. And so his, all the kind of negativity, negative statements we make about Apple and the App Store, he uh, challenges us to substitute Apple or App Store with delivery truck or my delivery truck. And uh, and would you say the same things? Like, would you complain about your your UPS driver? And I, I everybody knows I would complain about my UPS driver. Indeed, you would. Yeah, yeah, but but uh, would would you use that same kind of? Would you, you know, have that same kind of vitriol for a delivery person if that or the person who's you know helping you distribute your apps? And I think I've made that point before, but uh, yeah, you know that um, that way of thinking makes complete hundred percent sense to me. I've probably said this kind of thing before. Uh, yeah. it's there's. There's never really been a time when the App Store was helping you sell your apps, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been doing this since, what, 2008? And, and it, it was never really doing that. So uh, it, it, it amazes me when people still expect it to. Right, right. Uh, can I be the dissenting opinion then? <laughs> of course, of course. Okay. Um, you mean the contrary? I think the official term is contrarian. Good. Yep. Choose what term you will. I, I think that, you know, there, I agree with you that... Um, that we shouldn't expect the app store to sell our apps for us. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the delivery truck analogy is, to my mind, deeply flawed. Um, because a delivery truck is simply an intermediary between the company selling you the thing and the customer buying it, right? Right. Yeah. Um, yep. And the app store is not that. I, I, How I about actually, an ice cream truck? Um, you go to the they, ice cream truck? Or they own the ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, because you know the the, own, the big thing the that you phones. lose is all of the flexibility and all of the relationship with your customer, right? Yeah. So, you know, prior to the App Store, independent developers would be able to create a relationship with their customer. Um, they'd be able to uh, take the money directly from the customer. They would know exactly who the customer is and could communicate with them. They could uh, sell upgrades at discounted prices. Um, all these things that you cannot do in the app store anymore, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and so it's it's a it's it's a much larger issue than the medium of transportation between buyer and seller. This is way more complex than that, and this yeah. you know delivery truck analogy uh, doesn't come close to addressing the problems that are actually here in the app store. To my mind, so, yes, I, I, throw this that, makes, that makes sense. But my my point, I guess, would be that it's it's never done that. It's never given you the chance to have a relationship with your customer. It's never uh, given you the chance yeah. to, to give discounts on that. So, and, and we're now what? Ten, almost well, seven years into it. So, mm-hmm. it, it's sort of time to get over it. It is what it is. Either deal with it or, or don't. So, Aaron, do you remember the the? Uh, I've, I've just finished the um, 
couple of weeks ago, I finished the uh, Becoming Steve Jobs biography, mm-hmm. uh, which you recommended to me. Um, do you remember what what the story was about the App Store in 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 that book? What I remember that there like, was a bit, of, a bit about it at the end there. They resisted it for quite a while. Yeah, as I recall. Um, mm-hmm. Was it something in particular well, you're thinking of? Well, yeah, they, I mean, no, they, re- they resist the whole concept of, of they wanted to have a walled garden and, and, yeah. and curate, curate it and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's, to me, that's part of what the App Store was trying to do at the very beginning. Because the, the whole approval process is all about that. You know, they want to basically uh, vet the apps. They want to make sure that we meet a certain standard of, of delivery. And for that service of checking our work, they charge 30%, I guess, you know, among other things, you know. But uh, I just I just thought maybe you might remember what what the, the the tale was. I don't remember that. I remember the I remember it being mentioned in the book, but I don't remember the specifics about it. Well, you might remember back in the day, like uh, prior to the App Store launch. I think Steve yeah. was quoted as saying something about bringing down the entire West Coast network uh, with a runaway app. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so that that concern seemed kind of front and center, even if it's ridiculous on its face. But yeah. uh, the idea is that you know there could easily be. Uh, bad actors on the phone if not for a vetting process and so that's right. you know like i i get why there is an app review process for example sure. you know yeah. and that's yeah. that's one thing but and, and also the idea that they 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 sign the apps i mean like I, I do know that this part of the mechanism of launching an app is that it actually does uh check its signature does check the well, even when it's downloaded it's part of the reason why it's signed is to, is to make sure that you're not getting a sort of a man in the middle version of it. I'm not sure if that's the right term or not, but yeah, fair uh, enough. And and yeah. and keep and and look at where we are today. I mean, again, what is it? Flash 18 today? Yeah. Uh, or yesterday, I guess. Uh, hacker something or other. Team hacker team. Hacker team, and maybe you can fill me on who they are. But yeah, they they've uncovered or, or released a whole bunch of information that proves that every single version of Flash, including 18 has all kinds of vulnerabilities in it which could cause your device your mac to crash and you know your know, stuff that they and i laughed when i thought about that because i know that steve steve didn't want flash on the ios not because he was worried that they, he just didn't like adobe he was mad at he was mad at adobe at the time well it's also a deeply the, flawed technology yeah, yeah and yeah. you know and here we are 18 versions later and we're still having to hump along with this stuff i mean yeah. I know, like I, I, you know, I hear it from from the other people, other members of my family. The kids love playing flash games. You know, there's all these sort of you know fly trap websites that they go to to play these little you know click on this games kind of stuff, right? And you were you posted something today about removing flash. Is that something you would do on your devices? Sarah? I just did it. Yeah, that's that's yeah. why I posted because I I finally just realized Had that it? I should do it. Yeah. yeah. The heck with that noise. Get rid of it. And so what happens when you go to a website that has a flash requirement or something like that? Well, it'll show up blank, right? And I won't be able to play it, but it hasn't happened yet. Uh, so, okay. I don't know. I, I think the, the time for flash is long past. We've, we've oh, yeah, seen it sure. come and go. Like, I, yeah. like YouTube was the big holdout, right? Um, right. I guess those, those games, but iOS has replaced all those crappy web games with, with crappy iOS games. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know, like kids these days, I don't think they do sit on web browsers anymore on PCs. Oh, I, no, I have, I have, I have one grandson who who would rather sit in front of the Mac. Okay, well, one. everybody's got one person, but I mean, in large, <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, yeah, like yeah. no, I would, I would certainly like to see the other, the other, the end of Flash. I mean, I, you know, I learned it under duress and and you know supported it for many years, and you know, never, never really was a big fan of it, you know. But uh, Facebook doesn't use Flash for their games, do they? Sorry, who? Facebook. Facebook. 
I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I would know. I don't go onto Facebook. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I think yeah. a lot of people do and, and play games on Oh, yeah. Facebook. God knows they do. Yeah. That's true. You know, I think that now that you mention that, there is a lot. There's that whole sort of what uh, marketing market of, of, you know, again, those sort of fly trappy kind of uh, Facebook pages that, that draw you into these, you know, they have all these sort of social network connected games as part of being a f- Facebook developer you can tap into, right? That. You know, your friends, oh, so-and-so is playing, you know, friends with words or whatever on Facebook. And, you know, you have to you know, communicate with them. So jump over there, right? So, you know, it's, it's interesting that that kind of, you know, the kind of instant notification and, you know, constantly being in touch with everybody is, is, is I mean, it's a millennial problem, which fortunately we're all too old to, to have to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm on Twitter yeah. all day. Isn't that the same thing, really? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. So, I mean, you know, have you have you got is is you know staying in touch with other people, like you know, working remotely, like you, like you do, is that something that's really important to you? And and can you turn off those devices and turn the notifications off on your phone and your watches and and just hunker down and get work done? I mean, is it, isn't that kind of sort of what you do in your daily work? Uh, no, you know, I I check on Twitter, you know pretty much steadily as i'm yeah, yeah. working yeah um i don't know it's just part of my flow it's what i do yeah 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 um yeah. you know it's <laughs> i don't know I, I guess scientifically speaking it's it's poor for concentration so they yeah. say but it's it's the way i work and so i don't know yeah. um but yeah like i'm i'm it's my water cooler you know i sort of regard it yeah. as you know the place that that i can be in touch with other people without having to uh to be there Sure, sure. Well, and for me, it's Slack. I, I do a little bit of Twitter, and then I do a little bit of Slack, and then. But I tend to in in my I tend to consciously you know, te- tune out of it and get back get, get back to work for a while because I have a, I actually have an, an app on my Mac that keeps track of what I'm doing during the day, and and uh, it's disturbing when I go back there and see that I spent like see how know, much time an, hour, an hour on Slack and half an hour on Twitter, and you know I should have been making billable work, right? Hmm. Um, well, with Slack, presumably you're you're doing real work stuff, right? Or is that not the case? Well, it's a bit of both, right? It's a lot. It's a lot of a lot of uh, having fun and stuff like that. But yeah, totally. I use I use Slack to to uh, you know find out about technologies and ask questions. I mean, I'm, I'm on a technical group, right? But mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of shenanigans that goes on in that group too. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> yeah. We were talking about poutine in our last episode, and and that kind of worked its way into the Slack conversation for uh, about a day and a half. Mm. Um, not solid, but still. Another follow-up item that we talked about, it's sort of related to what we talked about, it's on the same two subjects, was the a post by, um, saw his name a minute ago, uh, the Speed of Light guy, what's his name? Oh, uh, yeah, jeez. Why don't people put their damn names on their stuff? This guy. Jason this Brennan. Guy, oh. Jason Brennan wrote yeah. the Speed of Light article, and it's a follow-up on... on it pretty much uh, echoes what we were saying last week about the whole talk about uh, the posts from... He mentions Brent Simmons' posts. He also mentions Alan Pike's as well. Um, but what I really liked about his thing was, you know, uh, was turning it around. And we talked about this... Uh, I talked about this with a couple of friends of mine yesterday about, about turning, the, you know, the whole... Um, the, the pitch from Mad Men, the TV show, was if you don't like the conversation, change the conversation. And... What I picked out from that was the the uh, the line in the in his article where he talks about you know why don't people why don't they value our apps you know when we ask you know about these people who want to spend you know they want to spend ninety nine cents you know they want the app for free why don't they value 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 our apps 
And he suggests we turn the question around and say, why aren't our apps valuable to people? Right. In other words, you know, maybe they don't want to pay for them because there really isn't that anything more than a dollar's worth of value in them. Right. I think it's much more likely that people see so many free options mm-hmm. that they just have been inured to the idea of paying. Well, and and you know, in in a in a sort of a, uh, sort of analogy to what I was just talking about with notifications, we've become so. Uh, used to having to respond to things because we're, we're prompted by the same kind of mechanism that makes us think that why would I pay $4 for an app, right? Yeah. You know, shouldn't it be free? Like, what, who is this guy in Whitby who wants me to pay all this money for his app, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's <laughs> it, you know. Um, and, and how can you define value for all of the customers that you might have? You, it's, it's impossible to do. I read something today and I can't even remember where it was from. So if I come across it, I'll try to send you the link and put it in the show notes. But um, the fellow had dr- drawn a diagram and it was like basically a bar chart showing the cost to develop an app as the bottom part of the graph, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the price that you're selling it at, which is a little higher, and then the value, which should be higher than your price, right? Right, right. And so the distance between the cost and the price is your profit. Right. But the distance between the profit and the value is how much the customer is getting out of it. Right, And so right. what you're trying to do is provide the value uh, for every customer, but every customer, of course, is going to value it differently. Um, I'll give you an example because last night we were at Taco, right? You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Um, there. There. We ran into uh, you know uh, Magpie's number one fan. That's uh, so, yeah, true. Sohail Ahmed, uh, who's a listener of the show. Hey, Sohail, uh, had some kind words to say about Magpie, and he was very much into it because, uh, like me, he sees the value of the app. You know, mm-hmm. he has the same problem that I have, uh, running into all these videos all day and needing to watch them later somehow using some mechanism Mm -hmm. and and so magpie fits the bill for him it's a huge value for him and so Mm -hmm. he's he's purchased it and he's getting a lot more value out of it than what he paid for it but most people will look at an app and not see the value right right like well i don't i don't because they probably don't even get what the app does Right. Well, it, well you way, could just, argue that for that person, then it, it doesn't necessarily have any value. I mean, it's it's very hard to quantify. You know, what is what is five dollars worth of value, uh, mm-hmm. or or whatever the number is. Uh, yeah. So for this 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 person uh, that you just mentioned, uh, you know, maybe if it's if it saves them an hour a day, then yeah, you could probably argue that his time is way worth way more than that. So there's definitely value. Uh, but you know, if if a person isn't, you well, I mean, this is sort of obvious. If a person isn't spending time using a thing, and then then how do you put a monetary value on it? It doesn't have so, any in that case, yeah. of course. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so is is time money? If if time is money, then of course, then you can easily say, if if this saved me, you know, five minutes a day then after X number of days, it will have been worth the $5 investment I put into it based right. on some calculation, right? right. Mm-hmm. right. But mm-hmm. this is going to be different for every person, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so I'm curious about this chart, not being able to see it, but you're saying that the the, the cost to do the app is, is the bottom line and then it's slightly higher than that is what you're selling it for, right? Yeah. Yeah, so so are you saying that we, we should, and this may be a way to think about it, um, we should be figuring out what the cost per user is to build an app. Is that what you're saying? Like, well, you know, there, there's 
Oh, you I mean, know what? Cause it was Because it costs you way more than you've, you've not, there's no, you're nowhere near, you know, with your 20 sales or whatever it is, you're nowhere near making what you put into it so far. Of course. Right? Of course. Yeah, so and, you, so you, I think a lot of the problem is that, you know, we do what, what a lot of people do. You know, a lot of engineers, a lot of developers, a lot of hobbyists kind of do is we, we build something because we think it's interesting and we think it's fun and we want to sure. work on it rather yeah. than trying to figure out what is the market out there that needs to be addressed and, and mm-hmm. what is the value of that market. And, and then going backwards and saying, okay, if, if the market for this thing is, you know, the total market of this thing is a thousand dollars a year and I'm going to spend a hundred thousand dollars of my time and effort to build the thing, then right. that's a bad market. <laughs> right. And, and, but I think we all do that. You know, we have, so, we do something that, has value for us and we build something that has value for us without necessarily paying attention to whether it has a lot of value for the the the, the market as a whole mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. And, and actually i think a lot of startups in particular do this i mean there's hundreds of startups that have this great idea you know get some funding build this thing and you know just because you build it that then they'll come i mean that that doesn't yeah, that yeah, doesn't really yeah. work too true yeah. Yeah, I've been telling customers that for the last five years is just because you build it. Same thing with websites, right? People think, oh, I'll put this great website up there and it'll it'll magically it'll start churning a profit, you know? Right. Um, and, you yeah. know, there was a time when that happened just because it happened to be the right point in time, right? Yeah. And there yeah. weren't many people doing it and it was just a magic time. Same with apps, right? There was the first, first year or two of the app store, there was tons of money by people made by people who, who just happened to be there at the right time. Well, because and and back then it was like shooting fish in a barrel because you had like you know a very small percentage of people actually owned phones, but they needed to have apps on their phone, right? Exactly. I yeah. Mean, yeah. And and the other thing too, I guess, is 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 how do people find apps these days? Like you know, Sohail hopefully is going around telling everybody about what wonderful Magpie is, and you know, bless his heart. We're, oh, I love that guy. We're, we're talking about it on the podcast right now. You you've got a website set up for it, you know. You know, we put a little banner up on on our site so people will may, maybe click on it when the, nobody has by the way but they will Damn click it. on it when they come to this site um you know uh, is you know how are people finding out about about apps right now so i, th- I don't think That's it's as question. simple as you know putting a video up on the app store or putting a good description or whatever i think that there's, there's still a lot to be said for word of mouth of you know like from I mean I can tell you right now Aaron I have used your app twice today because I had two videos that I started to watch and realize okay well let me just throw this in the magpie I'll check it out later you know and now I know it's sitting in magpie waiting for me to go back to at some point in the pa- in in the future right so whether it's on my Mac or my iOS device which again is great pretty right? darn handy yeah it is you know yeah. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you I would never have if you hadn't written that magpie and you hadn't told me about magpie and you hadn't you know really urged me to install it on my devices I probably would never have even never even found out about it or even used it, right? Because I wouldn't exactly. have been able to find it on the app store. Nope. You know exactly, unless I was in there, you know, trying to solve a specific problem and, and uh, stumbled across this particular app, right? So yeah, that's yeah. that's the pickle, right? Like how to how to yeah. get the word out in an effective way. So so can I ask you, Aaron, what what are you doing to get the word out? I'm what's not your, doing much of anything. Yeah. I don't really have yeah. one, you know. Like the yeah. press yeah. is really my only real avenue, and like yeah. from a PR perspective and not a marketing yeah, one. Yeah. Um, just continuing to improve the app, continuing to let the people in the press know about it and hoping mm-hmm. that one day they, they'll put pen to paper on me and uh, let people know about it. Um, well, I think, and we talked about this two weeks ago in the last episode, and, you know, Mark is going to jump in here and help me with this one too, but you definitely got to do something on PR Mac because it's very simple 
way to get the word out about the app. You're already, you know, you you're very eloquent in your in your verbiage. You can sure you can write up a couple paragraphs on it. Some links to the website, to the links to the app store itself. You know, do it. Do a press release, right? Yeah, costs, yeah. I think and much as most is twenty bucks or something. Yeah, like that, it's, you it's know? very cheap. And for something like this, actually, I think it could be pretty useful. Uh, yeah. You know, for for some of the things that I've used it for in the past, it hasn't been that great because it doesn't necessarily reach the uh, the niche markets that I was going for. But mm-hmm. this this is not a niche market, right? This is something that potentially. A lot of people could use so so just yeah. setting it out to a, a very widespread uh, large audience might not be a bad idea well i can tell you that uh, up in uh, you know about seven eight years ago i was working as a journalist in in t- writing tech articles and to this day i still get press releases in my mail you know and i look at them and you know even though i'm not really i mean occasionally i see one that i think oh i'll go and put that on my blog and you know basically spit it out there for people but you know it just you know it, it's sort of an in in one of those secret sort of uh, societies of, of information in the press release sort of uh, circle, right? So my device tracker ended up on uh, MacSurfer. Do you know MacSurfer.com? Yep. Familiar with that? So mm-hmm. yeah, the, the aggregator. Mm-hmm. One day, you know, I, I'm sure I saved a screenshot of it because my, my app showed up on, on there. It's one of their picks, right? Mm-hmm. How? I don't know. Or why? I don't know. But it was there because of the press release, right? So have and you, that, you know... Yeah, Aaron, uh, have you thought about, and this may be anathema to what you'd normally like to do, but have you thought about buying ads on Google that are targeted towards YouTube? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know. I've thought about it. Like, I've, I've yeah. used AdWords in the past um, yeah. and been really screwed by it because it mm-hmm. is, it's a business model that really tends to, it seems to really favor Google um, and them getting mm-hmm. more money out of you for, sure. for less payoff. Uh, so I have... You know, having used it in the past and been burned, I'm I'm, I'm much less likely to do something like that. Right. Um, but but what I, started me thinking about that was, so normally what I would generally do to, to try to think about marketing is try to figure out where are the people who who potentially going to use the app. Like I wrote poker apps, so we would go into right. poker communities and talk to the uh, music apps. I would go into music community, music websites. So, but but there really aren't a lot of, you know websites for people who like to watch videos online right um well maybe there are but um, i don't know about them yeah but yeah yeah so where do people go to watch videos online well they go to youtube yeah so so if i'm looking at youtube and there's you know whenever i go i like to go onto youtube and look at like music videos and things like that um so inevitably i'm just kind of clicking and watch one click another one and click another one and just follow that thread down uh so and i forget where i am a lot of times right because i just been fo- i've been following links so that would be a perfect time for me to see an ad for Magpie, and say, "Oh, this solves that problem for me." Yeah, have you? There's a, there's also a tag you can put in your in the app in terms of what documents you support. Can can somebody play a, like a, if can you have your iOS device offer up Magpie as a choice for a player? Because you know when you play a video in on the on the Mac or sorry on the iOS device, m- nine times out of ten, it wants to show it in in YouTube. Have you looked into that, Aaron, at all? No, I haven't. I yeah, I know what you mean. A, I th- I think that's something that extension. YouTube does internally. No, but there's also there's an enum in in uh, that that you can put in to support um, different types of apps, right, or different types of document formats, as it were, right. Like if your app can open a Word document, you can there's a there's an enum you can put in there that that tells the system uh, that you can you can support this file format, right. Similar to what I was talking about earlier with the device tracker import, right? Because I had to register a 
one of the capabilities I think in in Xcode. I'm just drawing a blank on what it's called right now, but but I, I also under talk about something else. I, I, I we're used to working in the uh, in tech support for companies that sold image setters and films and stuff like that. And I remember an Agfa representative once was telling me about how you know, and there were there was a time there when they were making good money to salespeople. And I asked them, so how do you figure out you know what you're going to make in a year? You're you know because sales is kind of one of those loose end things too. Like you have no idea where the income's coming from. And what he told me he did was he would say, okay, I want to make this amount of money in a year, right? And so he would take that and break it down into four. And he would say, okay, well then, if I want to make this much money in a year, I need to make this much money this quarter. And if I need to make this much money this quarter, I need to sell, you know, I need to hit up this many clients. And I need to, you know, sell, you know, and he'd figure out some sort of formulaic way of, of what his goals were for that quarter. And I'm kind of wondering if, using your analogy, but the chart with the, the price of the app per user or the cost of the app per user to build, you know, the price you're going to sell it at. And, and um, I forgot what the third criteria was, but maybe we should be looking at how we determine whether an app has viability by, by that kind of formula, like break it, break it down, break it down backwards. Like, you know, what is it? If I want to sell this app to, to a thousand users, right? How much is it going to cost me to build it? And how much should I sell it for? But if, or if I want to sell this app to 10,000 users or a million users or, you know, like, God forbid, the Clash of Clans kind of sales numbers, you know, like they can probably build a, a you know, they can spend a million dollars on a commercial because they're easily making that in a week, you know, or less. Indeed. I think that's a very yeah. healthy way to approach the sale of an app. And at a $5 price point, you know, minus, you know, the, the 30% that Apple's taking put to let's say four bucks right whatever um then or or six dollars canadian yeah 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 (laughs) or three dollars it's not unreasonable then to have a a a cost per install of a couple of bucks yeah that you're Mm -hmm. making ads and you're still making money it's very different than on a 99 cent one because you you know you'll never get a your constant install you're never going to be able to make money off a 99 cent app but using using like something like adwords but for a five dollar app you you maybe you can uh, yeah, I would, I would look into it. Yeah, because actually you just said that because there's another way that there's that or, or other side of uh, advertising in that, you, yeah, the cost per install. And I think Facebook uses that model with their in-app or mm-hmm. their their mm-hmm. uh, ad models, right? Because so, they, do, they do iOS ads as well. And yeah. they can, they'll tell you, they can tell you whether the ad that you sold on Facebook uh, coincided with an install of it on the device, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 In fact... I'm not sure about with Facebook ads, but for sure with with uh, Google ads, you can yeah. specify your target in terms of cost per install, as opposed to cost per click or CPM or whatever. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they'll and they'll target your campaign to try to get you that price. Yeah, you can you can tar- you can do some targeting target marketing with Facebook as well. Like you can sort of say, I want you know males between this age, and I want them to yep. be in the United States, and I want them to be you know I don't know. You can you can you can narrow it down so that you know it's only going to a certain demographic. Yeah. Yep. What have you? You know, people who are you know went to school and studied engineering and architects and you know whatever, wherever your your market is, and and then the spend. You say you know, I want to spend fifty bucks, let's say, uh, and you say I'll spend fifty dollars within this time period, and when the fifty dollars is done, the ad campaign stops and. You know, you see how many how many you get, right? You figure it, work it out, work it backwards. But I was sort of thinking from the point of view, Mark, of of what it costs us in terms of effort and times and time and money and you know to build that app 
and how much how many units we need to sell to basically make that money back right? sure sure you know like if like if somebody's going to come to come to us and spend you know one hundred and fifty thousand dollars how many of how many dev- how many apps do they need to make or how much business do they need to generate to get that money back I would think that the 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 spend with us has got to be a minute percentage of their business right right, right. yeah, I mean, yeah. It, if somebody's going to spend one hundred fifty thousand dollars on an app they can't be expecting to make that back in sales of the app. They can't reasonably accept, <laughs> expect that, right? No, it's it's no. got to be a component of a, of a larger marketing strategy. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah, I mean, because even, even for us to spend, you know, and we were talking about this last week where, where the maybe the new uh, de- indie developer model is you go get a day job and you do the, the you know, the app development you want to do in your, in your spare time and as sort of a hobbyist sort of apo- approach, right? Welcome yeah. to my life. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, mine too. Yeah. Um, you know, so wh- you know that, but but even that hobby time, just because it's 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 quote unquote idle time, I think it still has to be valued, and it still has to ha- we still have to perceive it as having value, right? So, right, and then you got to decide. Well, is it is it uh, monetary value that yeah, that it's giving yeah. you, or is it some other kind of value? Does it make it? Does it make you? Does working on those apps make you better at building the apps that you're doing for someone else? So sure. you can you can be more efficient, build them faster, yeah. right, charge a higher rate or wh- whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like right now. Like I said, I think I, I mentioned before that that uh, I've kind of sort of drawn a line in the sand. I'm still working on I Objective C because of the the apps that I support and and I'm continue to build on. But um, I'm, I've drawn a line in the sand to sort of from this point on. And I think Aaron, you mentioned last night as well that that uh, Swift is the future, right? So. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's supposed to be, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> and it's not. And, and it's interesting. I heard. I just just listened to just just listened to a talk just before the the show here. That uh, um, yeah, Swift is the future, but there is still you know like if you're doing core data stuff, maybe you use uh, Objective C there because it's a really low level stuff, and it you know you, so you can write it in Swift, but why why bother? It's already there. It's it's a self contained piece. You know, it has a very specific purpose. So your app can be you know Swift mostly but you still can support it and of course you know all the frameworks from apple or a majority of them are still in objective c right as well 100 percent, as far as we know yeah yeah um yeah. but for me yeah, it's still a for me it's still a productivity thing if <laughs> i were if i were to switch to swift right now i mm-hmm. i would lose just a lot of productivity mm. uh, well it's just learning curve you know you've got yeah, to mount exactly. that curve before you can At be productive point. in it that's true yeah that's true that's what's happening yeah. to me right now you know like yeah. um <laughs> uh you know, last week on the show, I said that I wouldn't write Swift for Magpie until I was, well, I wouldn't write Swift for Magpie, period. I was going to do it on a new project. And so... Okay, drum roll, everybody. <laughs> the next day, <laughs> last Thursday, I started, um, I opened up a new class for Magpie, and it's in Swift. And you, and this is inside the inside the app, so you've done it's the bridging go, editor. Yeah, it's no, no, I haven't done that yet. Uh, I've actually got it as a separate project right now, okay, but okay, uh, yeah. it is intended to be uh, injected into Magpie. Yeah. yeah. Wait, and it's a class, not a struct. Yeah, it's a class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually finally watched that WWDC video. Value type, the, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, not yeah, the value type one, the, the other one, the, the uh, protocol the oriented programming one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. very yeah. interesting stuff. Uh, yeah, this this is actually uh, it's it's fully cocoa, so I don't know. I don't really, I, you know, like and I said this at the time. I don't fully understand the protocol oriented programming stuff, and I especially don't see how it integrates in with cocoa. Um, 
so what I'm actually doing here is I'm replacing AF networking um, uh, in large, but uh, not not with uh, the Swift class. What I'm actually replacing with the Swift class is uh, UI image view plus AF networking. Um, oh, okay. As well as yeah. NS Image View plus AF networking, um, which actually so doesn't. You, so exist. <laughs> you're replacing that. So that's not the Alamofire version of that, right? Um, I'm I'm writing my own uh, NS Image View UI Image View um, asynchronous loader. So this raises an interesting point, and we've talked about this on the show, and I've talked about this with Mark privately. Mark, um, you're always going on about NS URL connection as opposed to using um, AF mean networking. Session. Yeah. Well, not connection. Uh, yeah. Originally yeah. it was connection. Thank um, you. Now it's moved on to session. Yeah. Yeah. So you. So what's your position on 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 uh, NS URL session versus things like AF networking, which a lot of people use? Yeah. You know, I guess I have I have nothing against AF networking per se. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. it's a great library, but just in, in general. Uh, if I can do something myself in a reasonable amount of time, uh, I won't use a third-party library just because then I know what's inside of it. I know what to do if something goes wrong. I know how to how to work with it. I just know what it's doing. Whereas I found that you know, in many cases with, with a third-party library, uh, the, the more time that goes on, the, the, the more likely that it's not going to be supported or that something's going to change in, in the OS and something will break. And where you have to customize something and then it breaks all future releases and and I, I would just rather not have to deal with that if I if I don't have to obviously some things you have to uh, mm-hmm. but but for me personally yeah I can do everything I need to do with an NSURL session mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and and it works fine for me you know a lot of that is because I've you know just built up this library of stuff over over the years you know to do a lot of this the, a lot of that functionality so it's it's not like I'm writing it from scratch every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, for me, yeah, I just I just don't have a need for it. I don't, you know. I don't I'm coming around on that myself. For- you know, I that's what I did with Magpie. I actually uh, the 1.0 that's currently in the store uses AF networking, and I just tore it out last week. Mm-hmm. It's all gone. CocoaPods too, also gone. It was a, oh, really? a huge liability in this project. You know, which has targets that are Mac, iOS. Uh, uh, frameworks and uh, and action extensions, um, and and having CocoaPods integrated into that was just it was just messing things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, AF networking was a, a pod that was installed along with it. There's a few other pods too, but um, I decided to just pull out CocoaPods altogether. It solved a ton of problems. Uh, oh, I pulled out AF networking and very quickly and easily used NSURL session to replace all the functionality from there. Yeah. The only holdover was the NS and UI image view categories. Um, and so I've got it. Like That's no problem to replace on iOS. There are tons of third-party uh, replacements for that. But mm-hmm. on the Mac, there's like nothing. So F it. I'm writing one myself. Just write your own. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, not that hard to write. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah. And so and I you write it and heck. you write it once and you have it forever. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I'll publish it. I'll make it available because I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, I wish that I honestly, I wish I'd found someone, someone who had done it already, because I'd, I'd rather be working on Magpie than on this. But mm-hmm. you know, uh, now that I've decided to do it, I might as well give it to everybody, and hopefully others will you know improve it <laughs> uh, and get some use out of it themselves. Cool. Yeah. And I figured it had to be in Swift, right? If I'm going to give it away, it's got to be in Swift, you know, or else, or else I can't call myself an iOS developer in 2015. <laughs> that's well, kind of only. Let's say 2017. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Fair enough. Fair 2017. enough. Yeah. yeah. 
So um, let me do a real time real time update. Uh, I was mentioning that graph earlier about uh, cost, price, and value. Sure. Uh, that was part of a column written by Sean Blanc. Uh, in an, an article that he published today called The Art of Price and Value. I've got the link. You've got it there, Tim. And uh, and so he does a, a really nice explanation based on his own product, a book that he wrote called Delight is in the Details. And so he mm-hmm. talks about his cost in producing that, uh, the price he sold it for, and the value that his readers get from it, um, and how to kind of pull those levers to uh, increase the value and make money for himself. So, And he includes that that graph that I was telling you but it's a little hand drawing yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So in the show notes. How's Magpie doing, by the way, Aaron, before we launch into that? We uh talked about it quite a bit last week, but oh, okay. um okay. I just actually uh looked at my sales tonight. I've made twenty sales. That's not bad. Okay. Yeah. And is it like is it the hockey stick kinda no. chart God, at the no. beginning or no. just sort of trickling along? No, right? in fact my, my best sales day was day three. Go figure. And is it is it iOS versus Mac or twelve iOS and the rest are Mac. And what are you oh, what okay. are you selling it for? I never four ninety nine store four ninety nine. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I put a, a um, an article that just came across my desk here from um, Dan Council about pricing your mount your app. Yeah, and he and he basically said the same thing. Four ninety nine is kind of a sweet spot for to do anything but freemium. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. freemium doesn't yeah. work. Anymore. Yeah, I've probably read that. Like, I see you have it here. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty sure I've looked. I'm at not it. sure. I think you posted it today. Oh, really? Or, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. Um, hmm. Break anything other than and, premium. Yeah. And my friend Matthias Holman uh, put up. Uh, we were talking about. I forget where we were talking about this. Oh, I think he was talking to Charles Perry and that on Twitter. And Matthias uh, put up his. He posted a blog here back in May of about a game that he wrote, a mahjong game. Mm-hmm. And about his what it what it made for him, I think. Uh, what did he say? Just thought it, we could follow up for our sort of you know, can you make a living at this kind of stuff? You know, can you? I, I actually still think you can, even after all this. You know, yeah. even though I, I'm not doing the indie stuff really so much at all anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. Looking back and and looking at the mistakes I made and and the success that I, successes I had, um, mm-hmm. I, I still do think it's possible. Yeah, you know this that Chinese poker game that I got that I do that is for four ninety nine. That's still selling copies years later. I haven't touched it in years. Um, Scales and modes still selling copies. I haven't touched it in years. Uh, so if I had really you know gone all in with the with the original strategy that I had of just cranking through and making tons of apps, uh, which I was doing for a while, and then I just kind of got bogged down by. Uh, a couple of things. Running out of good ideas was one problem. Um, it, it's actually it's actually a big problem. <laughs> um, you know, coming up with interesting ideas is is, is 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 kind of tough. And actually, the probably the biggest problem was the the uh, the support weight gets heavier and heavier every time you do a new app. You have to support all the old apps, and and after and after a while, you start spending more time. Uh, or, or such a large percentage of your time supporting all the old apps that you don't really have so much time to do the new apps, but yet the new apps are where the money's coming from. So it, it's kind of a tough balancing point, but I, but I actually do think it's possible in hindsight. Well, it's interesting, too, that you know we've talked, you and I have talked about Device Tracker a number of times over the years, yep. right, as, I, as I've been, you know, updating it for each, each OS that comes out and, um, and, you know, doing the whole, you know, getting rid of the skeuomorphic look and all that kind of stuff. And 
Um, Aaron, what you don't know is that Mark and I were talking about you know refactoring it and getting it up into size classes and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't know that. Convert, converting it to storyboard. Well, because it's all done. It's all done in the old um, hand coded table view controller stuff. Right? Yeah, I knew that. There's not even not even a nib in the in the entire file, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so. Mark had sort of said to me, "Well, you know, you're not. You want to move on to other things. It's not really, you know. It's like when when do you stop working on the app?" And I thought, okay, I thought, well, fine. I'll just just let it ride for a while. And then, you know, in April was it April? We got statistics from Apple with the uh, iTunes the Connect stuff. Yeah. The analytics, right? I get tons of of store views on that app, right? And it's still selling. Right. So and I don't know if it's, you know, halo effect from the podcast or whatever, but or from, you know, people just finding it. I, I, start, I created a marketing website for it a couple of, you know, six months ago and I was doing all that kind of stuff. Right. And like, now I'm looking at it going, OK, yeah, I, th- I really think there is a market for this this type of app from me, per se. Right. And it's not it's not a, you know, everybody can download it for free kind of thing. It's it's a specific niche that it services. Right. Um, so looking at but looking at the the uh, the numbers I get back from from Apple, it's it's quite a hit. And surprisingly, it's it seems to be a lot of a lot of downloads in Germany. It's about organizing your stuff, and they like to organize their stuff <laughs> over there as a stereotype, That's right? True. So yeah. you know. So then the question is, can you come up with ways to make money off of existing installations? Yeah, I mean that that was the thing that we talked about in the past. I mean, there's been a few like you know, it, 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 ironically, I, we called it device tracker, and it was a friend of mine who helped me mark with the marketing decision to make call it that. Right? It was originally like device database or something like that. Right? Yep. Um, and so a, a marketing guy who helped me write the original marketing pitch for it, you know, said, "Well, let's call it device tracker. It's for keeping track, keeping track of your devices." Right? And so I put it out there, and, and at that, and then you know, kind of stake my claim with that name and there have been a number of other people who have come out with apps called device tracker for ios device tracker for ipad and whatever and the differences they did was they put location services into it right so they've got like core location and that kind of stuff and so that would be something i could do as as uh, an in-app purchase let's say you know we could add in the ability to to uh you know put a, a you know geocode in there that so you can know which of your many warehouses it might be in right um, and then there's also the, the idea of doing adding a barcode scanner to it because a lot of people with like for technical like equipment like servers and computers and stuff like that when you're managing lots of things they might have a barcode right yeah that one's, one of my that one's almost a no-brainer since it's now built in right yeah it's super yeah. simple I yeah. think I think even one of the Apple guys said to me that I should do that right yeah. and um, uh, one of my clients is a real estate guy one of the one, one of the people I got feedback from he uses it to manage his lock boxes so he knows which house He's left which particular lockbox and what the combination is, you know. So it's kind of like you know, that, little mini that's pretty interesting. Thing. Maybe you should yeah. skin it uh, specifically <laughs> for realtors. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just it. I mean, and that that's part of what the whole refactoring question was, because you remember we we basically wrote it in such a way that you know you get a number of fields you know that relate to IT uh, related stuff like IP address, MAC address, you know, hard drive space, that kind of thing, you know, make and model. Um, and and there, even though we had moved them towards customized fields, it's still a hard coded thing. And so I was at, last thing I was working on before I stopped working on it was the ability for users to go in and customize those field labels, right? So, mm-hmm. so and and my wife wants me to, and I've actually got another sort of inventory app that my wife wants me to build, which is a variation of this. So I may go to that. And in fact, I may decide just to. 
I'm kind of torn because, you know, I got a lot of users, they've got a lot of data in their thing, and, and I've got that way of importing and exporting data, which I learned about from rayrenderlick.com, ding. But um, they, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about my legacy users and how do I, if I come out with a device tracker too, or if I just revamp this, this app from the very beginning, how do I get those guys to be able to bring their inf their information along with them, right? So, because mm -hmm. we're using an NS, uh, what is it, uh, NS code or, uh, or key archivers? Yeah, the old yeah. school stuff. Yeah. Yeah, to to you know export and then import the uh, the file into into the system by just parsing through it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Then so you, you just write an importer then. Hmm? Yeah. 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 So I said, I mean, like I could, I so I have a file format, right? In fact, I have two file formats because we changed the name of it at, at, from the very very first one. And if I made a new version of it, I would just make it be able to support that, right? So, and even on the IT perspective, you know, the uh, the um, system info report that comes off a of Mac is an XML file, and we can parse that and have it automatically bring stuff in, right? So, mm -hmm. at one time, Aaron, we talked about uh, making a Mac version of it, and then you could, you know, go in with import data from Excel and stick it in the in the Mac version, and then sync it to your iOS version, and, you know, very similar to what you're doing with Magpie in that sense, you know? Yeah. You know, so. I think you need and, a, and I think you need a watch app for it. <laughs> well, I started working on the Pi Day Countdown watch app. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> was that your first yeah. app ever, the Pi Day Countdown? No, the first app ever was was uh, two for couples. I started writing on a customer app. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah, actually, Device Tracker was probably our first app because it was based on an app that I had written as a web app many years ago, right? So I already had the the this concept, the concept down, right? The business case down. Yeah, yeah. So, Friday Captain was written on, on a whim. Like we we used to have a, an Apple conference here um, for Apple technicians and education, Apple people in the education market, and it was always around March fourteenth. And Steve Heyman, who's a Apple engineer here, Apple system engineer here, um, he is a huge fan of Pi Day. So we wrote the app in such a way that we, we hoped that we, we could have it, announce it, you know, the day before the conference, and then on Pi Day, everybody could count down to Pi Day at the same time. But, oh, well, it, it, it didn't get through, approved through the store fast. <laughs> it got approved the morning of, of March 14th, yeah. so, ironically. But when we were talking about Mat Matthias Holman's uh, uh, Mahjong game, right, and how he posted his numbers, and I think the other piece was... Uh, the post from Dan Council about uh, choosing the right pricing model for your app, right? And he his basically what we've been saying over the last couple of uh, episodes is that you know you should pick a number that makes sense and it's not don't price it down too low. I think we talked about the pricing of Magpie last week, didn't we, Aaron? About the the fact that you know that four ninety nine is a decent price and maybe it should be a little higher. Who knows? You know. I, I think I I talked a little bit about that. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Whenever I talk to people about the price of Magpie, whenever I say it's four ninety nine, they they yeah. tend to um, draw in their breath very quickly and look away. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. really? Yeah, uh, they're like, oh wow, that's way too much. Your app is really? nearly that really? valuable. Um, well, yeah. And so, and I I tend to ignore that sort of thing because um, I don't care. <laughs> um, no, exactly. exactly. Yeah, if, you're you're, if, you're you're in this you're in this for the long haul. I mean, that's yeah. the whole point, right? Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, if people don't want to buy it then if they don't want that value in their lives then they're welcome to yeah. not have it uh that's cool yeah. with me yeah. so uh and you know i i have been thinking you know in turns various you know i'm back and forth all the time but i think about raising the price from time to time um i don't think i'll ever drop it below 4.99 unless i'm on some kind of crazy sale 
Um, well, it but, would be it would be interesting to see what would happen there if you did have a sale. Yeah. And mm-hmm. see well, if you got a, you know, a more than say you dropped to two ninety nine to get a more than two x increase in sales, and then that yeah. tells you something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That people like to get a deal. I think that's what it would tell me. It would. Well, tell maybe me that, that that's yeah. a better price, um, unless it yeah. were sustained. Yeah, that's true. But, that's true. Yep. Um, yeah, I know. I know. Like some experiments might happen. Um, yeah, yeah. Who knows? It, it, but, the stick, the sticker shock thing, though, is it, it is real. I mean, I'm totally with you. I've I probably told the story before, but one time, way back when, uh, one of my dollar ninety nine apps uh, was was uh, featured on a on a podcast, um, mm-hmm. and uh, the person who was talking about it was you know really she really liked the app. She was talking about how she was you know playing it on the subway. It was it was a game app. It was a casual gaming kind of app. It was the sure. look again app. It's the pattern matching right. one. And mm-hmm. and uh and she was saying how yeah she played it on the subway and you know probably spent a half an hour playing it and and it was it was it was really pretty fun. And then she said but and everyone kind of pauses on the podcast. <laughs> it was a dollar ninety nine and there was that gasp. No. Yeah, there was that gasp. Yeah. And and they were all kind of shocked. It was a dollar ninety nine. It, yeah, you but, got but ripped then, off, girlfriend. But but she spent you know she spent a half an hour playing it. Yeah, yeah. And you yeah. know uh, she would probably spend twice that much on a Starbucks and drink it in ten minutes, right? And so I, I just don't get it. Just don't. Yeah, get well, it. we were having a discussion amongst a couple of other guys, and uh, one of them was telling about his app. And I mean, I had originally put iAds into Device Tracker, and then. I didn't like the execution, and and when it first came out, it was only Disney and JC Penney because it was like a million dollar buy-in or something like that. So there was not going to be any real advertising going on. So I pulled it out of the app in the original days, right? Um, I think I only have one app on the store that has iAds in it, and but he was telling me that he's put iAds and AdMob into his apps, mm. and the AdMob stuff actually does make him a pretty penny. I think it might even be in uh, Matthias's uh, blog post here, right? You not talk about AdMob in there? Yeah, you know, I I don't know. You can check that, but uh, you know, I've I've certainly talked to other people about uh, the success rate for ads, and uh, you know, some yeah. people who have popular apps uh, mm-hmm. can earn a good living from ad networks. Right. Uh, I'm just never going to do that. I I don't believe in that. Yep. Yeah. As a business model. Uh, yeah, as a business, I don't believe in it as a, uh, you know, it's I don't want to gunk up my app with that crap. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Yeah. So in in Matthias's post, he talks about. The paid version of the Mahjong app um, at two ninety nine, and then he dropped it down to ninety nine cents. Um, he made six hundred and forty euros uh, profit. I'm not sure what the time frame what, for that yeah, is, but time frame is everything. I'm not sure. I think well, it looks like uh, well, the chart here shows a couple of months, right? Um, actually, when did he publish it? Anyway, but 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 then interestingly enough, though, he has a free version of it, and he had uh, twenty thousand downloads. Uh, of that app, um, twenty to thirty a day per se, uh, and basically with the ad mob in it, he made seven thousand four hundred euros, <laughs> right, in the same period time period. So interesting, you know? Yeah, a that's significant difference. And it's all based on ad mob interstitials, which is yeah, very, those, those very are the best. Like, better ones. They, they are the they are the, they are the best app, CPMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. they just make me want to like flip every table from here to Europe. <laughs> yeah, I true. don't like that, and I'm not putting that in my app. It's just not happening. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, then that's the thing. Is like, how do you, how do you, how do you pay for this stuff? You're either bootstrapping it, or like you said, you have to have, you have to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm selling it for four ninety nine, and I'm happy about that, right? You know. Uh, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, realistically, you know, the 
I mean, I, I think I may have talked about this in the past, but you know, in the desktop publishing days when everybody ran out and bought image setters, and I mean, not everybody did. They were eighty thousand dollar pieces of equipment just to print some film and you know do some prepress work, right? Um, and so you you used to have film houses that you would go to to get you know your your work converted into printable film that you could then take and have made have plates and you know put in a magazine or something like that, right? I used to do that too. Yeah, and and uh, do you remember when it went down to like a dollar a page? <laughs> like that's this is uh, this is the whole desktop publishing you know race to the bottom is the same same thing happened in, in desktop publishing that happened happened in the app store over the last couple of years and that you know basically squeezed everybody out of the market who felt they were there because they were craftspeople or whatever right I mean the majority didn't stay there but the people there was a whole bunch of fast you know uh, what do you call them fast buck guys. Um, quick change artists, right? Who came in and they had the cappuccino machine in the front of the store and you could, you know, get your cappuccino and buy your thing. And they were making money making uh, selling cappuccinos while they were printing your page for a buck, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, right, you know, with with a bunch of young guys in the back working in a sweatshop out putting these things. And, yeah. you know, it was all... And, and they would make money on, on doing changes and, you know, fixing up your file if it was wrong or whatever. But the lost leader was the dollar a page, right? So they probably yeah, made a lot realistic. more on the cappuccino than on anything else. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing about it is, back then, I mean, if you looked, if you factored in the cost of the equipment and the amount of price for chemicals and buying the film from you know Agfiz and the Kodaks of the day, uh, you know, it costs more than a dollar a page. That's the sad part, right? So yeah. Yeah. it's kind of it's like you know it's sort of where we are now. We were talking about this a bit, I think, yesterday, at uh, after the Taco meeting yesterday, Aaron. It was that. You put so much. You have to put so much effort into the into the app, right? So that's why the price has to be where it is, right? Realistic, I think, in my opinion. You know. Well, yeah, like absolutely, I agree. Sure. You know, and and uh, you know, if you and if you and if somebody wants to hire us out, it's like we we're talking about this as well before the meeting. I think, right? Um, you know, if somebody comes to us with an app that they want to build, and we we factor in how much effort it's going to take to you know do. Uh, high-level architecture, have somebody code it, do some design work, quality assurance, you know, like you were just saying before we started recording, Mark, you know, that involves a team of people who, you know, expect to be paid a certain wage, and by the time you add up all the hours it takes to build an app, especially an iPad app, right, you're up in the hundreds of thousands of dollars easily, right, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can't, so you can't turn around and sell that for free, right, unless you've got some crazy ad revenue scheme, right, so... Right. Or VCs or, you know, it's it's yeah. actually just a piece of the overall business. Um, exactly. You know, there there are lots of situations where, you know, apps can be developed and, and have a business justification mm-hmm. to pay for it. Um, and that does, has nothing to do with the price of it on the App Store. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, and that's just it. I mean, like, if you look at a, a, a retailer or somebody who's providing a service that their, their business, or the reason people go to them is not for an app on the app store. The reason they go to them is for some other service or some other business, and they happen to have an app, right? Then, then they got to give that away for free, and you know, and people expect it to. to yeah, your bank is a, is a classic example of that, right? They don't. Yeah. They're, they're never going to sell you an app, but but you know, right. you're using your services way more because you have it. Starbucks is another one too, right? You have yeah, you have exactly. an app, you're more likely to go into the store because well, yeah, I've got some cash on the on the phone. I'll just you know go in and use it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, to be honest with you, you, you hit the nail right on the head. I love using the Starbucks app myself. You know, I, I was standing in line the other day, 
you know, and getting a coffee or something like from the guy. And, I, and it, when it came time to pay, I just said, hang on a second. And I charged up my card. Yep. On, I charged up my, my app and then paid with the app, right? I'm like, rather than reaching in my pocket and pulling out a, a $5 yeah. bill or whatever, right? So the only thing that bugs me, I love it too, but the only thing that bugs me right now is you can't use Apple Pay to recharge your Starbucks card. Really? I don't know why you can't do that. That's crazy. That's a, such a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So what is this Apple Pay you speak of? Yeah, right. Apple Pay? <laughs> I thought you have Apple Pay in Canada now. No. no. Oh, they're sorry. getting it in the UK. The oh. United, United Kingdom, they're getting it, ne- I think, next week in the UK, I believe, right? But yeah, we're getting it in November or something like that. You know, just in time for Christmas, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you like using your Starbucks card, honestly, you'll love Apple Pay. <laughs> well, actually, one of the students I was teaching is an American, and he has... He has his watch enabled with Apple Pay, so he's mm. been, been paying for stuff all over the city by waving his wrist under various payment devices uh, here in Canada. So at seventy cents on the dollar, must love that. Oh, I yeah. guess. Mm. I guess is that what it is? Ah, uh, something stupid like that. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. it makes me ill. Mm-hmm. So we only have one pick this week, so I'll just jump in. And basically, uh, th- I saw today that there was an update came out from Mac Update. Um, they've got a bundle that includes a bunch of uh, interesting apps. There's some FTP clients. There's an SQL Lite app, a um, bunch of other things. But two of the uh, included pieces uh, that we talked about on the show before, uh, one of them is PAW. And I believe we talked about Dash before for the, the document management. Ah, we must have, yeah. App, yeah. Um, but th- these are part of the Mac Update bundle, and I think it's $59 US, and it's uh, I basically bought it today because I was going to buy PAW anyway. Um, who, who was it that brought PAW to our table? I totally brought PAW. Totally? Totally, totally, totally brought PAW. I think it was some guy named Aaron brought that it. would yeah. be me. Yeah, yeah. So. I would like to take full credit. Um, so there's a couple of other things. Um, you know, I was talking to some people this morning about, like, why you would need an SQL Lite, you know, a tool to basically dig into stuff. I mean, I use a free one for core data, but I guess, um, and Aaron, you were saying that you built Magpie last week using SQL Lite 3, but not core data, right? Correct. And so how do you, uh, how do you um, visualize what you're doing there? I'm a command line guy. Oh yeah? Oh yeah. All right. Okay. Interesting. I I didn't realize that, Aaron. So what, what made you choose to do that? To not use data. I'm just yeah, too bad you weren't on the show last week. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I Maybe I've explained my. Um, uh, I have a little bit of antipathy against core data. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Doctor Ruben, I've got a problem. I'm hoping I can sit on your couch and you can help me out. <laughs> right. um, yeah, I just. Um, well, <clears throat> I I did it from a very pragmatic position, um, you know, and I'll I'll just hasten to add here that I I have quite a bit of experience with core data. The job that I'm working with my client now using a very large piece of software, it's all core data. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm deep, deep in the weeds with core data, all over it. Uh, and not a fan. <laughs> oh, really? uh, there's, oh, there's just so many, so many complicating factors to core data that you have to keep track of. And I feel like it's, uh, it, c- it could be a lot simpler. Um, yeah, the fact well, that it's not thread safe is oh, the, th- the fact that it's not yeah. thread safe. I'm just going to yes. stop you right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You I don't really have to say much more. Although it is private queue, private queue concurrency made it yep. a lot better than it used to. be. Yes, it did. It did. But it's not. It's not there yet. And there's still a lot, a lot yeah. of complications to deal with. So, um, but pragmatically speaking, for Magpie, uh, there's one object. It's a video object, and there's no relationships. There's no 
no second object. And, and so I'm, I, I kept it as simple as possible. Um, and so using uh, uh, a SQL sort of d database on the device uh, just makes all the problems go away. Um, and because I have a ton of experience with it al already, so yep. uh, it was really straightforward a decision to make to just go with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean that makes sense. If you don't have relationships, you lose a lot of the value of core data for sure. Mm -hmm. That's that's the power of, of core data. You don't have to do joins or anything like that. You just yeah yeah yeah. I mean, it's it, I mean, they're there, but they're under the hood. They're they're hidden from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah. So that was that. Um, yep. Sorry, you were talking about Mac Update Bundle, though. I'm looking at this thing, and it's really impressive. <laughs> There's a lot of yeah, good apps no, in here. Yeah. So I just opened it myself. So it comes with Hype, uh, Delta Walker, Dash, Flux, Paw, Forklift, which is an FTP uh, thing. Base is the uh, tool for SQLite and Code Runner, which I've heard of before, but I'm not quite Actually, familiar. I have Code Runner as well. Um, Do you? Yeah, it's, um, I don't actually use it that often, but it is a, like I used it more in my web uh, development days. Sure, yeah. Because it would allow you to uh, very, what a Code Runner does is allows you to run code um, within like a sort of like a sandbox sort of environment, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So you can try, try things out sort of a, like, in a Rails situation, for example, you can sure. like run it right against your your development environment mm. um, without actually having to run the application. Uh, so it made it really easy to try things out. Um, it's it's sort, not sort of like playgrounds in Swift. Oh yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, very much yeah. like playgrounds in Swift. Yeah, mm -hmm. which um, and because of uh, the way Objective C is, um, where you, you can't really like, there's no um, what's it called. Read a REPL, you know, there's no REPL in Objective-C, you know, like mm -hmm. Ruby has a REPL and Swift has a REPL. And that's, you know, that's why they're, you know, you're able to have a playground in Swift because you got this read eval print loop that you can just like hit, hit with and get, get results back immediately. Whereas with Objective-C, of course, you have to compile it, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, you cannot try things out quote unquote <laughs> um, in code runner using objective C even though um, code runner does support objective C um, oh, yeah. it's kind of mm. in a in a hacky way it uses like a a, a uh, sort of a framework project and um, it's not as not as nice as with Ruby for example mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. uh, still cool app but uh, I think playgrounds have really superseded it in that sense so so for those of our listeners who don't know what a REPL is can you explain what that is oh sure read eval print loop um and so it's like uh dropping down to the command line in a language so you mm -hmm. can uh like in ruby for example you just type uh ruby on the command line and you can start interrogating the uh the ruby interpreter uh by writing ruby and getting responses back so you type mm -hmm. in x equals five hit re return and the variable x has been set with that value and then you can start performing calculations or sure. bring in frameworks and and start like doing network operations for example on the mm -hmm. command line all live you know it's not saved in a file or anything but if you're experimenting with features in a given language then a REPL is a great way to do it because it's quick and it's uh very easy to use uh and very straightforward too and so mm -hmm. but you know, because Swift has that capability, um, Apple leveraged that to make playgrounds, right? So right. playgrounds are like a, a REPL on steroids because it's got this visualizer for all its uh, responses as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in this beautiful documentation format. So, cool. big fan. Yep. Yep. So coming back to the uh, Mac uh, update bundle, um, which yeah. is available at <laughs> deals.mac... That's okay, that's okay. Deals.macupdate.com. Deals .mac, <laughs> deals .mac, um, 
Uh, have you guys heard of albums and CDs? You know, back in the day when you used to buy more than one song at a time. You know, an artist would put together a package and they would call it an album. They put some artwork on it. Yes, I believe they're still using yeah. that concept on iTunes yeah, these days. It's true. Well, so so I used to have a rule where I had a two song rule, and and I would never buy an album unless there were two songs on it that I liked, and that's that that's only failed me a few times. But um, mm-hmm. so here we've talked about Dash, we've we've talked about uh, Paw, and now you've just talked about Code Runner. So there's your three hits on this bundle. So run out and get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean, if you don't. <laughs> I see a lot of bundles like this, you know, and I yeah. think to myself, oh, I've already got that one and that one and that one. And the other ones I don't really care about. For example, yeah. like, I don't care about hype, you know, like I'm never going to use hype. Mm-hmm. But Delta Walker actually looks kind of interesting um, mm-hmm. because I've got two computers now that might be useful. Um, and it's like a, di- a differ folder. Anybody use Flux, this advanced web design tool? Anybody no, use that? No, I've never heard of that yeah. one. I haven't either. Just, uh, whenever, whenever you say uh, uh, advanced and web design in the same sentence, it chill <laughs> runs down my spine. So it's like a visual yeah. HTML editor. Uh, yeah, those yeah. those have never been. Yeah. Uh, Rapid Weaver. Rapid Weaver, wasn't that one of them? Yeah, Dreamweaver, that still right? exists. No, Rapid Weaver is oh, one Rapid and Dreamweaver is another, yep. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. They all exist. <laughs> um, but, you know, actual developers don't use those things. Yeah, Hype looks kind of kind of cool. It might be, so you know, for a trinkety sort of piece for your website. If you're, yeah, you're, you're, I have yeah. a little bumblebee fly around on your website or whatever. Yeah, but it, it looks like it has a timeline. Though, you know, so. I think looks like this flash. is this is this <laughs> is the this to me looks like a, a sort of an HTML5 replacement for Flash. That's so exactly what it is. That's yeah. what they Animation. were thinking when they built it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and good for them. And it's a very well-regarded tool. Um, is it? Oh yeah, yeah. When it first came out, it was quite a bit of a claim for it. A lot of and, hype, right? A lot of hype. hype yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All righty then. So I guess that's it for the, the uh, week. Uh, so if people want to find you on the interwebs, Aaron, where would they look? Go to Twitter, at Aaron Vey, or check out my website, magpievideo.com, where you can get my app. And if you love it, leave a, leave a yes, comment on definitely. iTunes. Yes, definitely. Leave a review, please. Yeah, so hell. Go go leave a comment. Yeah, right so now. hell. Go. I, I asked you last night. Did you do it well, yet? Did you do it yet? It's okay. It's okay. We'll wait. Okay. okay. I'm right here. Go, go, go. We'll wait. Have you done it okay. yet? Okay. And Mark, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm at Mark R at smapsoft.com. All right. And uh, I didn't say it last week, but this week my name is Tim Mitra and I am T I M M I T R A on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, it guy.com. And uh, that's it. We'll say goodbye for the week. And Mac is just getting up off the couch. So goodbye, Mac. All right, folks. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There, you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc underscore podcast. If you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash mtjc. You can provide as little as a dollar a month. Any amount helps. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening. Asking too, Mark. Are you going to go to 360i Dev this year? Oh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I didn't buy a ticket. Um, yeah, they're still but, available. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, maybe. Um, 
it's kind of good timing actually you know yeah give, i'm, give I'm sort of between things too so yeah it was it was a lot of fun last time so yeah and it's, it's like four days right so it's, it's yeah. almost like it's like a mini wwc in a matter of yeah. speaking right yeah you know and it's over a weekend people. right it's so. It starts on Saturday, goes August 15th to 19th, so it ends on a Wednesday. It ends on a Wednesday, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's not so, so bad. It's kind, of, it's kind of in the middle of the week there, right? So Yeah. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, gonna, it's not quite as expensive as WWDC, but it, right. it adds up, right? Sure, it does. Yeah. 